Well, I've had a chance to meet you yet. My name is Trace. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm glad you're here with us. If you have a Bible, grab it. Flip over to John. We've been walking through the gospel according to John over these last couple of months. Last week, Mike walked us through a bit of the the opening of chapter 14, the way, the truth, and the life. This morning, we're going to finish out chapter 14. So I want to start off by just reading the Word of God together. John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. It'll be on the screen as well, but if you've got the Word of God and you prefer to have it in your hand, that's great. There are also Bibles on the back table. Feel free to grab one of those if you desire. Here's John 14, starting in verse 15. This is the word of God says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will love by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the rule of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Well, Father, we do pause this morning. Grateful, Lord, for all that you provide for us, the way in which you love us, shepherd us, lead us, equip us. Jesus, we're so grateful that you have a plan and a purpose for your church and for your believers, followers. God, as you've been revealing to us in your word, Lord, we know that it's a decision that we make oftentimes daily that we will take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow after you, Lord, and that comes at a cost. But we also know, Lord, that you are worth everything that we have to give. You are worthy of every bit of praise that we have to lift up to you. So we pray for your help this morning. That we would see from this 17 verses, Lord God, what it is that you have for us this morning. We pray for that help, and we ask you to be honored in everything we do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that number on the screen right there, if you have any questions this morning, 
Go ahead and text in your questions to that number. We'll come up after the end and we'll, we'll seek to provide some, some insight into those. So I just read to us these verses. And I'll ask a question. What is this passage mainly about? And I got a Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. Um, what is it? Obedience. Okay. There goes Julie stealing my thunder again. <laughs> I was going to say this may take a little bit more time and effort to look at it because sometimes we look at these section headings and we're like, oh, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. This is only about Jesus promising the Holy Spirit. That has a huge role to play in this process. But why is the coming of the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit necessary? Like, what's the whole point in all this? Why is this vital that we understand this? What is it, according to verse 16, that this Holy Spirit is going to be for us? A what? A keeper? To keep you? Okay. Verse 16 says what? Okay, a helper. Okay, that's helpful, I guess. Help us do what? Okay, good. We're getting there. We're piecing this thing together. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit comes to help us do a lot of things, right? But according to this verse, something does stand out. And as Julie tipped my hand to you, there are five references, five references in these 17 verses about obedience, about keeping his commandments, right? Usually when there's a point to be made or a, a, a focus of interest, the, the biblical writers will, will use how many times to bring emphasis? Usually it's in threes, right? You see three times. Now we've got five in this short passage. I think... John is trying to say something of significance to us. So, if you didn't catch it the first time, let's just go briefly through it. Verse 15. It's up there. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That sounds like obedience, right? Go to the next one. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that sounds like obedience. Next. That's two. Anyone who loves me will... Keep my word. Okay, that's a third reference. Next. Okay, here's the, the inverse. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. So there's still an aspect of obedience in the fourth occurrence there. And then let's go all the way to the end. But I do as the Father has commanded me. So this is Jesus saying himself is being obedient. So do you agree with me? There are five references to obedience in these 17 verses. So what is this? passage mainly about? I guess maybe we'll wait till we get to the end to, to be super confident. The nature of a relationship between God and his people includes love and obedience. I think we're going to see that as a recurring theme. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Now, obedience is a, a byproduct of love, right? That's, that's kind of what we're getting here. If you love me, if you do these things, out of that love comes a desire to actually do what I'm asking of you. That's essentially what he's saying here. And for most of us, you know, full and consistent obedience to God is actually pretty, pretty easy, right? I mean, it's not like he's asking that much of us. So all these that didn't chuckle, you're like, yeah, absolutely. I, I got this thing wired. <clears throat> but here's the deal. For some of us, 
as believers, that may not be too much of a stretch to think, yeah, I can do what, what God asked me to do pretty consistently. I, I've got this things figured out. And I think that's because oftentimes we're really good at convincing ourselves uh, that we can shape what the Word of God says to our comfort level and to our circumstances so that it becomes easier for us to walk in obedience. We kind of make these little exceptions for ourselves. And I think that's where verse 21 is going to come in and kind of just slap us a little bit. We're going to get slapped around by the text this morning, and that's a good thing, I think. But I don't want to get there yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. Obedience, a byproduct of love. We get that. Doing what God asks us to do in reality is actually very difficult. Would you agree with me? Walking in obedience to God is tough. I would even argue that the kind of obedience that God is after goes beyond human ability. Which is why he sent the helper. That's the whole point. We cannot do it on our own. We need the help. Make sense? All right. So we're going to we're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit when we get there, but here's what I want to say before we go any further. The Christian life, what we're trying to do, it, it's marked by participation or obedience to God through Jesus in the Spirit. This is what we're going to see coming into the picture, I think. And so our desire here at Pillar is for each of us that are walking this trek together is that we want to move from a life with Jesus to a life through Jesus. And if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. There is an important distinction to be made between a life that includes Jesus and a life that reveals Jesus. If there was like a, here, stop and camp on this and let that just bake inside, are you doing life with Jesus? Is he, is he just sort of, are you including him in little areas of your life? Or are you living through Jesus in a, in a way that reveals him in the very way in which you love and obey him? There's a very significant difference. Okay. So right away, Jesus starts off the passage. He reminds us, hey, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, one of the ways in which you and I and all of us and everybody around us knows that we love Jesus is because we're making an attempt to walk in obedience. Is perfection the goal? I mean, yes, we're trying to be like Jesus, but is that the expectation? Like you have to be perfect or just throw in the towel? No, of course not, right? He desires our obedience, that we would make an effort to grow in that every day. And as I keep trying to remind myself and all of us, this is a journey. So don't beat yourself up. You're like, oh man, I keep failing again and again and again. That's where grace comes in, right? right? This is not a condemnation kind of thing. But man, there's got to be growth. There's got to be a move in that direction. I think we've made a pretty strong case over the last couple of weeks and months that our doing is a very critical part of our walk with Jesus, right? We're talking about obedience-based discipleship, <laughs> the Shema lifestyle, right? Loving God, loving others, hearing and obeying, all these kinds of things we've been continuing to put before the body here. And I don't think, I, I know <laughs> that this particular passage 
that we said we were going to preach on months ago happens to coincide with this kind of, I would say, a culmination of our desire to show the body of Christ here at Pillar Oceanside that hearing and obeying, doing, walking it out every day is, is what we're after. But what does he say immediately following in verse 16? He says, and I'm going to ask my father, and I'm going to send another helper to you to be with you for how long? Forever. Yes, please, Jesus. Amen. That sounds fantastic. Send the helper because, man, we need all the help that we can get. A beautiful picture of the sufficiency, the grace, the mercy, and the love of the Father to send this helper because he knows full well we need the help, right? Can anybody get a little extra help? Anybody need a little extra help to walk this out? Yeah, we got some two hands and a foot raised up. I guess if we're being honest with ourselves, if we're really being transparent and laying it all out before the Lord, trying to walk in the level of obedience he's calling us to, then I think we're all, yeah, we'd go all in for that. So he brings in the third member of the Trinity, right? Now we have the Holy Spirit at work. A couple of things here, though. I wonder if you, when you read verse 16, did anything kind of make you raise an eyebrow, maybe add, like curiosity or confusion? The helper has a capital H. Okay, that's great. I love that. Usually when things are capitalized as as names, uh, like spirit and helper and counselor and all these kinds of things, it's a reference to a member of the Trinity. In this case, it's the Holy Spirit, right? But what what about the helper? What kind of helper is he sending? Another helper. Another helper. So is the Holy Spirit then replacing Jesus? Is that what's happening here? I'm going to send a replacement and Jesus is going to go away and... No? Has the Holy Spirit been inactive up to this point? Okay, good. So so what exactly is going on here then? If he's going to send another helper. So I think what's, what's going on here is we're making another attempt to examine something that goes beyond our ability to fully understand. We're trying to understand the inner workings of the Trinity and we're just never going to fully get there. It goes beyond our scope. But I think even in the diversity of names that we, we will look at here shortly, there's danger of putting God in a box by, by putting these tight parameters around it. Like the Holy Spirit has to be this and only this. Now that's not to say that everything about the Trinity and the Holy Spirit is, is beyond our understanding. We can absolutely comprehend a lot about who the Holy Spirit is and who, who the Trinity is and how it works. And I think it's going to assist us, hopefully, to get a clearer picture of these things by looking at some of the names. So my translation says he's going to send another helper. But I know that you have other translations out there that use a different word to describe this member of the Trinity. So what are some other words? Not another helper, but another what? A comforter. Counselor. Counselor. Come on, somebody's got to be old school and give me the word I'm looking for. Starts with a P. Paraclete. There it is. Yes, something that we all use on a regular basis. We know very clearly what the word paraclete means, right? There's a lot of words that are used in describing that. But one of the reasons, I think, for the many words is because it's very difficult to just ascribe one word to the Holy Spirit, right? Would you agree with me like that? There's not one word that can describe the Holy Spirit. 
So if the Holy Spirit is not replacing Jesus, he, he has been active all along, then what do we need to know right now in this moment about how, what, what's happening here? Another helper, the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Let me just read a quote real quick from Edward Klink, a very smart man, smarter than me. He says, First, Jesus, and now the Spirit witnesses to God, speaking on behalf of God, to console, guide, and teach in the ways of God and help in the work of God. This is why paraclete, which is the word that is used there in this translation, this is why paraclete cannot be translated into any one word or concept, nor any language, English or otherwise, grasp its fullness. So the Holy Spirit speaks on behalf of God, consoles, guides, and teaches us in the ways of God, and then the last thing, helps in the work of God. And the Holy Spirit does this sort of in tandem with, in concert with, the other members of the Trinity. So hopefully you're seeing now that the Trinity, three in one, all God, but all unique in their roles, right? They all have distinct roles. Roles, and we're talking about the roles of the Holy Spirit right now. Hopefully, that's starting to make sense. Um, let's keep going. Verse 17. Verse 17 tells us the world cannot understand. They cannot receive because they, they what? They don't see Him. It's not like you can go outside and see God walking down the street, right? We can't see Him. There's evidence of them everywhere, of course. But the world is always skeptical of things they can't see, right? I mean, they are. <laughs> we probably are sometimes. But Paul tells us why, specifically in 1 Corinthians 2.14, why that is the case. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person, that is the people walking apart from God, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. They're on the outside Looking in, they, they cannot see who it is. But he says, you know him. You're very well aware of who this is, says Jesus. Because why? Because he dwells in you. And he will be with you. If you heard last week, you, you heard Pastor Mike teaching on this. That we are the temple. Right? Let me just remind you, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you use this scripture, but put up 1 Corinthians, I think it's 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? I mean, you can't just make it any more clear. Like, church, people, do you not know that you, your body, where you are right now, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and he dwells in you. Man, that promise from Jesus, that has massive implications for us as Christians, doesn't it? I just, yeah. So he doesn't leave us as spiritual orphans. That's what he tells us in that passage. But listen to me, real quick. If you are a believer here today, I just want to let's drive this point home. If you are a believer here today, the Holy Spirit resides in you as your advocate, your counselor, your helper, your paraclete, whatever word you want to use there. Did you know that? Okay, I figured you did. But do you know why? It's one thing to know intellectually but it's another thing to be able to apply. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and what? Keeps 
them. So, here's where the, the text might just kind of slap us around a little bit this morning. And by that, I mean just challenge us. That's what I'm trying to say. Having the commandments of Jesus right here is not just having a copy of the Bible accessible to us. That's not having. I don't have the commandments of Jesus by holding this in my hand. That's not what this means. Remember I mentioned verse 21 earlier? I said that sometimes you know, we're good at shaping things in our mind to bring it to our comfort level, to bring things and circumstances in an attempt to make it easier on ourselves to think that we are being obedient. Maybe you've never been guilty of this, but let me just give you an example. You might say, you know, I have a history of anger in my family, and so you know, I'm pretty sure that there's a little bit extra grace for me when I get mad at my children. Really? Where is that in the Bible? Is there grace? Absolutely, all day long. But you don't get to carve out a different set of circumstances and rules for you because you this is your circumstance or your tendencies. That's not the way that it works. There is absolutely grace. But we cannot excuse our behavior by having an incomplete or skewed version of the scriptures and the commandments. What a dangerous place to be to think that we're actually walking in obedience because we have a skewed vision or version of what we're looking at. So having God's commandments then, again, is not being in possession of it, but what the word means is having a grasp with the mind. In other words, you know exactly what the word of God says, and you do it without excuse, without drama, without compromise. That's what he's saying here. You know when you're doing something wrong. You're making a decision not to do it, or you're making a decision to go full in and say, I'm, I'm going for this. But there's, there's no question about what it is that Jesus is asking me. And the beautiful thing is, the commandments of God, what he's asking of us, are not difficult to understand. We don't have to spend hours praying like, Lord, what did you mean when you said that I should love people? What do you mean I should serve others? I mean, these things that he's asking us to do, they're not confusing. They're not deep theological things, right? So to have a grasp of them with our mind is not outside of our ability. However, to be able to know what it is, to do it without compromise, excuse, or drama, that level of obedience, hopefully begin to see now why we need help. We, we cannot do this on our own. And so as we do these things, with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's an expression of love to Jesus. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I just love that. And, and we will be loved by him, he says, by the Father, who will manifest himself to us. That, that's a beautiful illustration of the Trinity, how it all works together in concert with another. He's revealing himself to us and through us. So we get to this middle portion of the passage, and, and essentially what he's doing, he's, he's reiterating the fact that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Again, five times through this section here. So that's what's happening here. The fact that our love for Jesus is expressed in our doing, in our action. And then, as I said, the inverse, if you don't love me, then you won't keep my commandments. So it gives us both sides of the coin there. But if you look at verse 25, Jesus is going to give us a 
a little bit more of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's where I think we're hopefully it's going to get practical. In fact, if you look at verse 26, there's a very specific two things, two ways, if you will, that the helper helps us. What are those two ways in verse 26 that this helper is going to help us? Teach us and what? Teach us and remind us. Can you see that at the end of the verse there? The Holy Spirit is going to teach you and remind you. Okay. Again, we understand that, but grasping it with our minds and our hearts, let's put this into action. How do we effectively use the Holy Spirit within us? So I've got four words for you. If you're a note taker, if you just can visualize this. Know, pray, receive, utilize. Know, pray, receive, utilize. So know how he helps. Know how the Holy Spirit helps you. Pray to receive that help. What's the next one? Receive it. (laughs) Take it. And then the last one? Use it. Utilize it. Put it into work. So already this morning we've learned several ways in which the Spirit helps us. These are two very practical ways in verse 26 that we add to the list. The Holy Spirit teaches us. Let me read another example from John's writing later. On this same topic, go to 1 John 2.27 if you would. It's already up there. Thank you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. That anointing is the anointing of the Spirit. This is the thing that is teaching you. That's what John is getting at here. Let's look at another example. Because sometimes we, we, we kind of pull things out of context and we just we think things are only one way. Now, can the Holy Spirit illuminate truth to you? Can it teach you in, in the quiet time of your Bible study? Of course. And, and, and he does regularly. But I would argue that in the Scriptures... More often than not, we see that in the doing of God's people. As they're doing things, we see the Holy Spirit's role come to life. Let me give you another example from Luke chapter 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers, the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So what are they doing in this moment? This is the apostles, right? They're going to be having to defend their faith. They're they're in action. They're they're doing it. And Jesus says, don't be worried. He's going to teach you what to say in that moment. Or what's the other role of the Spirit that we just learned that that, that he might do in that moment? He might remind you, oh, you read something, you you heard this testimony, and and the Spirit brings that to mind. But Again, oftentimes we see in the scriptures as they're doing it. Can he do it anytime? Absolutely. Does he? Sure. But I really feel like the, the, the growing theme throughout John and through the other Gospels and, and really the New Testament as a whole is as you're going and doing, you see the work of the Spirit in your life more and more. So these are just two examples of, of how the Holy Spirit helps us. But but we also have to desire this 
kind of thing. Desire his help. So pray for it. When's the last time you prayed for the Holy Spirit's help? Hopefully it was recently. <laughs> but for some of us, it's just not something that we were trained up to do. It's like, I'm just going to just kind of pray and just see what happens. But we know now specifically Holy Spirit can help in certain ways. So let's pray for it daily even that the Holy Spirit would grant you strength, wisdom, counsel, guidance, boldness, all these things that the scriptures tell us the Holy Spirit does for us. Desire those things. Pray for them. Amen? Okay. So then we pray for it. Holy Spirit, we know, is going to offer that. Then we do what? We receive it. He gives freely. We've got to take it. But I feel like so many times as we're living out our lives, we're doing these things, and we're seeking the Lord for help, we miss a vital step. Let me talk briefly about temptation. Anybody been tempted before? Okay, three of you. Cool. So the, the rest of you, when you are tempted, just know there are some promises that, that Jesus gives us. What does the Bible promise? What does Jesus, through his word and teaching, and later through Paul, teach us about the Lord's role in the amount of temptation he allows? He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Anybody familiar with that? I've heard that before. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13 to see if we're not making stuff up. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Basically, it's all out there, okay? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And Luke, that's exactly right. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So what does God provide when you are tempted? A way of escape. How we can get out of the situation that we're in. But what's our part in the equation? Can we just see the way out and be okay? Can we just strategize about how we're going to get out and be okay? What do we have to do? you got to take the way out. You can't just go, oh, there's the exit, and just stay and just be attacked and just be overcome and overwhelmed and give in to temptation. It's not enough just to say there's the exit, there's the way of escape. You actually got to take the way out. That's, that's what God is asking us to do. And he gives us the help that we need through the Holy Spirit, but we got to receive it. And that goes hand in hand with sort of the last step, and that is the utilizing it, applying it, whatever it is that we're learning in that moment, the doing. It gives us so much help. Man, offers all that we need. And so we need to know how he helps us. We need to pray for that help. We need to receive it. And we need to use it. We need to apply it in our lives, right? Okay, verse 27 we got a throwback to the previous section. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Mike taught on that. Why do we not let our hearts be troubled? What does he give us? Peace. Because we have his peace. He leaves it with us and then he says, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Here's a recurring theme. What do you have to do when somebody gives you something? you got to take it. It's not just enough to know, oh, he's the Prince of Peace. And just stay there, paralyzed by fear and anxiety, just intellectually knowing that he's the Prince of Peace and not having any impact on your life. 
But we do that sometimes, right? Get it. Walk in it. Embrace it. Live it out. Take possession of it. Got another throwback in verse 29 to the previous, not the last section, but back to 13. He said, I told you these things before they happened so that you would what? Why am I telling you this before it happens? So that you will believe. So that when it does happen, just exactly as I told you it would, you will believe. You go back to chapter 13, he said the exact same thing. And he's not saying this to shame the disciples because they're going to get scared, right? When Jesus is crucified and they think it's all over and they're in the upper room, they're scared. They're hiding, giving you a little bit of the end to come. Jesus isn't getting after them right there. What he's really saying is, here's a different way to handle the fear and anxiousness that you have. By trusting in the peace that I have given you and the power through the Holy Spirit. There's another way to handle this. And he's showing us that as well. We don't have to stay hiding in the upper rooms of our lives, worried, anxious, fearful. We have the tools that we need. He brings peace in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of struggle, pain, all these kinds of things. Word tells us, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because why? Because he trusts in you. All right, let me close with this. Verse 31. Jesus says he's doing what he's asking his disciples to do. Isn't that what you you read there? He said, I'm doing as the Father had commanded me to do, so the world will know that I love the Father. I love this about Jesus. This entire time, he's literally been doing exactly what he's asking them to do. Walk in obedience and walk in love, and he's modeling it for his disciples. You see, what what he's actually doing in reality is Jesus is doing is making the way for the disciples to be able to do. So in his doing, he's making a way for their doing. In his obedience, in his faithfulness, in his steadfastness and his love, He's he's making a way for them and for us. We can be doers of the word because of what he did and we have the perfect example in him. So I'm just going to repeat what I started out with this morning and try to hopefully bring this all back into the scope of the message. The Christian life is marked by participation, that is obedience to God through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're wanting to move from a life with Jesus to a life through Jesus, acknowledging that there's a difference between a life that includes Jesus and a life that reveals Jesus. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What's another thing he said about love in terms of being a witness to people? If you love me, all people will know that what? That you're my disciples if you love one another. So much about what we're doing is modeling for the world around us and for each other. But the Holy Spirit plays a vital role in us doing this. So if you, if you take away nothing else, <laughs> take away the fact that we need help. 
and we have the help that we need. Amen? Okay. So, we've been leaving time each service to sort of give, give testimony to what God has been doing in our lives, and I asked our communications director if she could make a slide to just kind of help us um, get there, I think. And so what we see here at the top, if you can read that, it says, Spotlight on God. This is, this is not about you or me. This is about God. And a couple of questions to consider. How has God used your obedience to his word this week to bring him glory? How can you see God growing you as you walk in obedience? What steps have you taken this week to live out the Shema lifestyle that we taught on a couple of weeks back? Loving God through our obedience and loving others through service. And then a scripture at the end. We haven't shared this one, I don't think. Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and what? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what this is all about, my friends. Giving glory to God. Through our trying to love Him in our obedience. And taking time to do that, gather together, is an important part of this process. And so as you read those questions, and as you consider in the last week or two weeks or whatever, I know this is new, so we're just kind of stepping into this, has anything come to mind where you can say, yes, I saw God's hand working here. Let me share that with you. So I'll leave space right now. If anybody has anything, you don't have to come up and hold a mic. You can stay where you are, but did anybody have a spotlight on God this morning? Thank you. Praise God for that. Amen. Yes. I'll share just real briefly if, if nobody else has anything. So I, many of you know I took a, a job at Lowe's part-time just to, to be out among the lost. Um, and so I have been praying for opportunities, and God has opened the door for a lot of opportunities. Most of them, well, all of them, I think, know by now that I'm I'm a pastor, so... Um, sometimes that will immediately bring up a wall and other times it will create an opportunity for things. So I've been praying for opportunities. I've had quite a few pretty serious spiritual conversations with my coworkers, but my manager um, is a little bit rough around the edges. <laughs> I've been praying for specific opportunities, just a, a foothold 
And so yesterday I'm at work. Um, one of my coworkers is on the forklift just sitting there in the parking lot. I'm sitting there talking to him. Our supervisor comes over and my manager. So there's four of us, coworker, supervisor, and manager, this guy that's a little bit kind of rough around the edges. And he goes, so he's talking to John, one of the other guys on the forklift. You're working tomorrow, right? And he looks at me. I know, he goes, I know you're not working. You're guiding people. That's what he tells me that I'm doing. You're, you're guiding people, right? I was like, sure, yeah. And John, on the forklift, he goes, no, he's going to proclaim the gospel that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And I was like, yes, I am. And that opened up like a 15-minute conversation about spiritual things, what everybody believed about God, what it is that I was doing. I mean, it was just like, what are you doing, Lord? And I didn't start any of it. I was just sitting there, just waiting, like, can we go do some work, or what are we doing just sitting here? And all of a sudden, people are gathering around. I did nothing other than pray and trust that God is going to open up opportunities. And now I have that conversation to go back to. It's like, hey, remember we were talking about this? I want to ask you some more questions about that. Just a little foothold, Lord, that's all that I'm asking for. Do it. I'm just telling you. Trust God that he's got you where you are for a reason and for a purpose. And it's to bring him glory. So I'm, we're going to keep asking these questions. I pray that you would ask yourself those questions, even during the week, and start praying for those things. Lord, show me ways in which you want me to grow in my obedience. And help me to put the spotlight on you. Did you have something? Yes, I appreciate you saying that and sharing that because it really is a learned behavior and God is gracious in giving us opportunities for obedience. Maybe maybe nothing that we know of comes of it other than our response. God's just helping us grow in that and, and listening 
and being obedient to, okay, I'm going to make a sandwich. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a conversation with the cash register person. Wh- whatever. Can I brag on a sister? Sure. Heidi's life is all about doing, and I have been watching her, like you're saying, the things she does. She's always looking for an opportunity to reach out and help people, sharing food, opening a door. She's always, that is her life right here. Amen. Yeah, for God's glory, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pray, close out our, this portion of the service. But I just encourage you, my friends, start seeking these things and see what the Lord does. See what the Lord does. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be about your business, as Julie just said. Lord, we 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 desire to be about your business and. God, you're in the business of people. And people are tough. Relationships are difficult. But as we learned this morning, Lord, you you give us all that we need to step out in faith, to trust you, to do what only you can do, God. In comparison to what the Holy Spirit can do in us, Lord, Our role is so small, but sometimes it just feels overwhelming and and scary and and paralyzing. And Father, we we want to love you. We want to walk in obedience because that's what you tell us. How we love you is through our our doing. And, And so, God, I just pray for every person here that calls you Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to see ways in which you are already laying the groundwork for growth. You're already stirring up our affections for people in our circles. God, that you are the giver of help, boldness, desire, and faith. God, faith to trust that you never leave or forsake us and even in those moments where we feel like we miss an opportunity God that you'd give us the courage to to circle back around and just just do it just take those steps God we want to honor you in all that we do and at the end of the day Father that's what we desire to bring you glory because that's what you desire and thank you for when we fall short <laughs> thank you Father for when we see your hand at work and we don't take the way out and, and we fall short, Lord, you, your grace is sufficient. We can repent and believe and, and trust, God, that you, you wash over us, God, and then we try again. And then we try again. And we continue to keep trying to walk in obedience for your sake. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.